Today's scripture reading comes from the book of Micah, chapter 2, verse 1 to 13. And so I encourage you guys to open up your Bibles, pull up your phones. Um, it will be shown on my left here. Um, and I'll read it out loud uh, from the English Standard Version. And so I encourage you to read along with me. Micah chapter 2, verse 1 to 13. Verse 1. Woe to those who devise wickedness and work evil on their beds. When the morning dawns, they perform it, because it is in the power of their hand. They covet fields and seize them and houses and take them away. They oppress a man and his house, a man and his inheritance. Verse 3, Therefore, thus says the Lord, Behold, against this family I am devising disaster, from which you cannot remove your necks and you cannot walk haughtily, for it will be a time of disaster. Verse 4, in that day, they shall take up a taunt song against you and moan bitterly and say, we are utterly ruined. He changes the portion of my people, how he removes it from me. To an apostate, he allots our fields. Therefore, you will have none to cast the line by lot in the assembly of the Lord. Do not preach, thus they preach. One should not preach of such things, that disgrace will not overtake us. Should this be said, O house of Jacob? Has the Lord grown impatient? Are these his deeds? Do not my words do good to him who walks uprightly? Verse 8. But lately my people have risen up as an enemy. You strip the rich robe from those who pass by trustingly with no thoughts of war. The women of my people you drive out from their delightful houses. From their young children you take away my splendor forever. Arise and go, for this is no place to rest because of the uncleanliness that destroys with a grievous destruction. Verse 11, if a man should go about and utter wind and lies, saying, I will preach to you of wine and strong drink, he would be the preacher of this people. I will surely assemble all of you, O Jacob. I will gather the remnant of Israel. I will set them together like sheep in a fold, like a flock in its pasture, a noisy multitude of men. Verse 13. He who opens the breach goes up before them. They break through and pass the gate, going out by it. The king passes on before them, the Lord at their head. This is God's word. Today we have the privilege of hearing from Dr. Jeff Arthurs, um, and he'll be continuing our sermon series uh, it called Micah, What Does the Lord Require of You? And so I encourage you guys to open up your hearts and uh, listen to God's word uh, through Pastor Jeff. Pastor Jeff, over to you. Good morning, Crossbridge. I greet you in the name of the Lord. Payday is usually a happy day because after all, it's payday. <laughs> You're good for the next pay period. You got uh, some money in your pocket for two weeks or a month or whatever. But what if you're not 
paid on salary? What if you're not even paid hourly, but instead you're paid on commission for the number of widgets you make or the number of sales you make or the number of lawns you cut? And what if in the last pay period you haven't cut any lawns? You haven't made any widgets? Well, then payday is not a happy day. It is a sad day. It is a bad day. That concept of earning what we sow is picked up on the Apostle Paul in, um, I think it's Galatians. We reap what we sow. We harvest what we have planted. Uh, the Lord Jesus said, um, if you live by the sword, you will die by the sword. It's another way of saying payday is coming uh, someday. That phrase, a payday someday, is actually the title of a famous sermon in American history. It was in the mid-20th century, and the sermon was uh, based on the text of uh, uh, Ahab and Jezebel and Naboth. Do you remember that story in First Kings? Ahab and Jezebel were the great king and queen of Israel, powerful, above the law. They, had, they held all power, and Ahab wanted poor old Naboth's vineyard. Uh, the Bible says he wanted to make a vegetable garden out of this nice uh, plot of land. But Naboth wouldn't sell it to him because the land belonged to the Lord and it had to stay within the family. He was just stewarding it um, in behalf of the Lord. Well, Ahab was so sad and grumpy about it. And Jezebel said, well, just take it. I mean, you're the king. You, you have all power. So Ahab took it. And then Jezebel had Naboth killed. Hmm. Then in steps the rugged prophet Elijah, and he says to them, payday's coming. You can get away with this now, but uh, God sees all. And you oppress, you will be oppressed. You kill, you will be killed. Payday someday. Well, this is a, the, one of the themes of Micah chapter 2. Uh, you remember uh, from last week that the people of Judah, that's the southern kingdom around the, the city of Jerusalem, uh, the people of Judah were sinning, you might say they were sinning vertically against God. They were making idols, they were worshiping idols, a great affront to God. And he would discipline them for that payday would come. Well, in chapter 2, we see them sinning against each other, you might say, on the, the horizontal level. They were oppressing each other, being mean to each other, not treating each other like fellow countrymen and neighbors. Look at their oppression in um, verses 1 and 2. Woe to those who devise wickedness, and work evil on their beds. When the morning dawns, they perform it, because it is in the power of their hand. They covet fields and seize them. Sounds like Ahab. They covet houses and take them away. They oppress a man and his house, a man and his inheritance. So they were oppressing each other. They were gouging each other. The powerful were using their power to get more power and keep people under their thumb. And that's no way to treat 
your fellow member of the covenant, covenant community. So picture them, they're, lay, they're lying awake in bed uh, at night and they're scheming, okay, okay, uh, let's see, if I get the town council to allow me to build on that property, actually I'm gonna have to bribe the town council, but I know I can do it. So I could build on the property and get permission, but all oh, rats, there's a bunch of houses on that property and okay, how can we get rid of those houses and force them off the land? There must be some obscure uh, law in the books and they're scheming and they're planning and the morning comes and the dawn comes and they carry it out. They are oppressing one another. They are sinning on this horizontal level. It reminds me of uh, a year that I spent many years ago in the Philippines. We were in a rural part of the Philippines outside uh, the great city of Manila. And in this rural area, they had a, uh, a loan system called the 5-6 system. I loan you five, you pay me back six. So what, and this, this interest is compounded monthly. So what is that, 20% interest? One out of five, six. And so the poor people, um, they couldn't even pay the interest. Like if, if I loan you $100, then, then at the end of the month, you owe me at least $20. They couldn't even pay the $20. So maybe they could pay $10. Okay, next month, now their debt is $110. And it just grew and grew and grew sort of like compound interest. It was, it was modern day slavery. I don't know if that still goes on in the Philippines today, but it might be the kind of thing that was going on there in Judah around the great city of Jerusalem. Oppression, treating fellow countrymen uh, like they were enemies. In fact, I think it says that in verses 8 and 9. Lately my people have risen up as an enemy. You strip the rich robe from those who pass by trustingly with no thought of war. The women of my people you drive out from their delightful houses. From their young children you take away my splendor or my inheritance forever. The rich people, the powerful people, were oppressing not just the poor, but the middle class. We, we know this because they had delightful robes, expensive robes. They had delightful houses, right? And they were treating them like enemies. So here's an innocent guy walking by, and, and suddenly these oppressors take the robe off of him. And, and the, 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 uh, the innocent guy had no thought of war. He thought, hey, I'm safe. I'm in my own country. I'm among my own countrymen. And here the oppressors were treating their people like enemies, like the Assyrian empire that was surrounding little old Judah. My point is, uh, they were oppressing. They were sinning against one another. All right. How about you and me? This is the same God thousands of years later. It's the continuation of the covenant. I know Jesus said I'm making a new covenant, but it's, it uh, picks up on the old covenant, the unilateral grace of God given to Abraham and blessing his people. Same God, same moral principles. We must not use our position, our power, our influence, our goods, our wealth, our cars, our houses, uh, 
our knowledge of the law, our relationships with the town council, whoever, to oppress and gouge people. Maybe there's a special relevance and application in this passage for managers. Many of us are managers. How do you treat the people underneath you? God has given you that position of so-called power to bless, to lift up, to not to gouge and to keep them perpetually under your thumb, increase your own standing. I'm thinking a lot about Micah 2 this week and preparing for this sermon. And uh, I'm thinking about what God has given me, you know, uh, knowledge or uh, money or cars or, you know, material goods. And my wife and I are in the process of moving into a new house. We just uh, closed on the house September 25th. We still are not sleeping in the house because it's being remodeled, but I think we're getting electricity and plumbing soon. But anyway, I'm thinking, okay, this is a gift from God. How can I use it to bless people? Have some students over from Gordon-Conwell. We're trying to get to know our neighbors. We're praying for our neighbors. We want to be a light in the world, salt in the world, a blessing to those around us with the good news of Jesus. Okay. You can figure out how to apply this, etern this, this, this ancient truth about oppression uh, in your own circumstances, but let's not be like the people Micah was addressing. Now watch what happens next. These oppressors, <laughs> they were being supported by the preachers of the day, not strong prophets like Micah. There were a few of them, but uh, these preachers were just telling them what they wanted to hear. And we see that in um, verse 6. Do not preach, thus they preach. Do, do not preach of such things. Disgrace will not overtake us. You know, guys like Micah were saying, hey, payday someday. Hey, the, your oppressors, the, the Assyrians and later the Babylonians, they're, they're surrounding you. God is going to discipline this nation. We can't continue this way. Don't talk to us that way. Disgrace will not overtake us. Verse... Uh, Verse 10, verse, uh, verse uh, 11, if a man should go about and utter winds, wind and lies, blah, 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 hot air, saying, I will preach to you of wine and strong drink, he would be the preacher for this people. I think the idea is these preachers were just saying all these material blessings, wine and strong drink, these blessings from God, um, uh, take, eat, drink, and be merry. Nothing bad's going to happen to you. He's made a covenant with you. You are his favorite, favored people. Well, they had half the truth, didn't they? He had, he had made a covenant, but there are covenant stipulations. It's a, it's a two-way relationship. He has laws and rules, and these people were breaking the law, and payday was coming. So says the prophet. First, uh, 2 Timothy 4.3 says, The time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine, but they will have itching ears. 
they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions. Now, Crossbridge has a very high value of preaching the word. This is one of the things I love about Crossbridge. And uh, I don't think we're in danger of minimizing and soft peddling the message of God, like this message of oppression and payday. And I really appreciate how the people of Crossbridge listen with hearts open and ears open, even when the word uh, uh, rebukes us. And of course, your teachers, such as myself, we're under the authority of this word also, and it rebukes us also. And so let's continue to listen and receive and not be like these people of Judah, finding preachers just tell them whatever they want to hear, health and wealth or whatever. You, disgrace will not overtake you. No, the message is uh, payday is coming. Now, because of this oppression and, you know, the preachers supporting them, uh, payday is coming. Discipline is coming. For example, in verse uh, 3, Therefore, thus says the Lord, Behold, against this family I am devising disaster, from which you cannot remove your necks. You shall not walk haughtily. I think it's a picture of what the Assyrians would do or the Babylonians later, later empire would do. They put them in a yoke, you know, bind their necks, and then they're not going to walk around haughtily. They'll be bowed down. They would be oppressed. Verse, uh, verse 4, in that day you shall take up a taunt, they will take up a taunt song against you. They will moan bitterly. They're making fun of the people. They're, they're mimicking uh, the lament of the people. They will say, we are utterly ruined. He changes the portion of my people. He removes it from me to an apostate. He allots our fields. Remember, this is poetry. And in, in this taunt song, we pick up some of the sound values of poetry. I'm not a big Hebrew scholar, but right here, this, it sounds like this. Naha, nahi, niya. And they're much like a child's rhyme or a, 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 a jump rope, a, a, a taunt song. He says, payday's coming. Your neck will be bound in a yoke. You will not walk around haughtily. They will make fun of you as they lead you into captivity. Payday someday. Our Lord Jesus talked about this in Matthew chapter 25. You know that famous passage, don't you? The sheep and the goats. He will say to the people gathered before him at the last judgment, Matthew 25, verse 40 says, Truly I say to you, as you did it to the one, one of the least of these, my brothers, you did this for me. He will say to the people on his left, Depart from me, me you cursed, into the eternal fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me no food. I was thirsty, and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger, you didn't welcome me. I was naked, you did not clothe me. I was sick and in prison, you didn't visit me. Then those people will say, Lord, when did we ever see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger? He will answer, 
truly I say to you, as you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. And these will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into life eternal. Wow. Payday is coming according to how we treat one another. Not oppressing, not ignoring, turning a blind eye and a deaf ear, but the way we treated the Lord through the way we treat on the horizontal level one another. Now, Crossbridge has a ministry that really uh, taps into this biblical truth. It's the social concern, social awareness ministry, and our representatives to that committee are uh, Stan and Winnie. And if you want to get involved in serving the least of me and not uh, the least of these and not being like the, the, the people in Micah's day, you can talk to them and serve people with the wealth and the ability and the knowledge and the standing that he has given you. Now, I'm recording this on uh, Thursday. And at this time, at the time of this recording, we don't have a president yet, or we don't know who our next president is going to be. It's looking like we know who it will be, but it's not official yet. So let me make an application here. Outside of political parties. I'm not talking about one party or, or another. I'm talking about the biblical truth, which says, let us not put our hope in kings, chariots, and elephants, and donkeys, but let us trust in God to lead us through this time and let us serve one another and bring about societal change and to lift the burdens of the oppressed primarily. I'm not against government measures and you know dealing with societal ills, but let us keep our heads straight that he has established a local church and he has given us the good news of the gospel to free people from oppression. That's our business. And that makes a change in the human heart, which then makes its way out into actions and into society. So the oppressors were being supported by the preachers of that day, and the Lord said, payday is coming. All right. Now, this bleak, gloomy warning, this passage, suddenly pivots at this point in the last couple of verses. Without a word of transition, we go from this rainy day with the wind howling and this bleak day and a drip, drip, and we go, boom, the beautiful weather and the sun is shining and the wind is blowing softly. In other words, we end this passage with a promise and with hope. And this is another principle from the book of Micah, and we see it here in our passage, restoration, forgiveness. He preserves a remnant. Yes, he may discipline a generation because they were covenant breakers and he, you know, they were supposed to be a light to the nations and they were just like the nations, but he preserves a remnant and he watches over them and he maintains his unilateral covenant of grace 
with the faithful. So we see this in verses uh, 12 and 13. These two images, first of all, a shepherd and a sheep image, verse 12. I will surely assemble all of you, O Jacob. I will gather the remnant of Israel. I will set them together like sheep in a fold, like a flock in its pasture, a noisy multitude of men, like sheep bah, bah, mulling around. I will save a remnant. I am the shepherd. I will do this. Don't put your hope in politicians and this and that and strategies. Remain faithful to me. I'm not going back on this covenant. You remain faithful to me. And then a second image is the warrior image. Uh, this warrior king, verse 13. This one's a little harder to grasp. He who opens the breach, like a a breach in a wall, you know, siege warfare and bust, busts out, breaks through. He who opens the breach goes up before them. They break through and pass through the gate, going out by it. So the Lord is depicting his chosen one, his Messiah, as a shepherd who will regather and protect and preserve a remnant. And he's projecting and, and depicting himself as a warrior king. Literally, in Hebrew, it's, it calls him the breaker. Here we translate it, he who opens a, the breach in the wall, the breaker. The breaker will free his people from siege warfare, and they will go out through the gate, and he is their king and their warrior king. All right, here's the point. He has not broken his covenant. He will not break his covenant. He has promised to Abraham, and it's just continuing down through the years, and here we are today. We, too, are the daughters and the sons of Abraham. He may discipline a generation, like, the, you know, warning, payday, someday, but he is faithful to his covenant. And what's left for us to do is to trust him and serve him and love him and not depart and to be his people, and he will save us. Now, when we talk about the covenant, and we, when we talk about payday someday, it reminds us we, that we know more, actually, than what Micah and his people knew. This was thousands of years ago, and God has continued to progressively reveal himself and reveal his plan, and we know who this breaker is. We know who this shepherd, this warrior king is. His name, do you know him, was Jesus. And he took our payday. Know what I mean? He, they treated him as if he had, uh, as if he were a lawbreaker. As if he were departing from the covenant and oppressing people and, you know, uh, doing all these bad things horizontally, vertically. But he had done nothing wrong. He loved God with his heart and his mind and his strength. And yet, payday came on him. The wrath of God fell on him. That was, that was our payday. 
This is the covenant that he has brought to fruition, and he will continue to preserve a remnant all the way until he comes back again, the second coming of our Lord, the second advent. So we want to remain faithful to him, sobered by the warning he has given us, but also hopeful that he is true to his covenant and what he has started he will complete and we just cling to him and love him and serve him. May God help you to do that. May he help me to do it. May he help Crossbridge to remain faithful to God's covenant. Amen.